I am Inga Larissa. And I am Jennifer Rose. We're two whiskey pals serving a weekly whiskey podcast and rocking your whiskey world. Exploring the whiskies and distilleries of the world and meeting amazing people along the way. We'll be sticking our noses into our jams and all things whiskey. So fill your whiskey glass and join the fun. A warm whiskey sisters welcome. Welcome to our episode on water and whiskey. Can you believe we're doing this episode, Inca? I know. It's taken us, what, 53, 52 episodes. We never put water in our whiskey. Yeah, my heart's beating faster with nervous anticipation. But first, let's stick our noses into the latest whiskey news. Stick your nose in it. Crown Formant-owned Speyside Distillery Pendriach has released two 40-year-old single malts, including one exclusive to global travel retail. The new Pendriach whiskies are the 40 and the travel retail exclusive 40 octave cask matured. Created using rare peated casks, the 40 bottled at 43.5% ABV is said to be one of the oldest peated malts to be released from this Bayside distillery. The 40 offers a richly fruity nose with notes of sweet orange, plum, honey, pomelo, dark chocolate coated berries and flavors of orchard fruits, red apple and white peach. Mmm, peachy, sounds nice. It does sound very nice. And I've not tried a Benriach that I don't like. I know, exactly. I Actually, I was thinking about Benriach the other day that I feel like should try more from them. I think so. Let's hit up Stuart Buchanan again, see what mischief he's up to, and let's think about maybe another episode. Because it's so, I think it was way back at the start, wasn't it, of our Whiskey yeah. Sisters journey, and there's so much going on at the distillery. It would be really nice maybe to feature them again. Exactly, and all those new Glen Glasser bottlings as well yeah. so it would be quite fun because he's the ambassador for them as well as yeah. and Glendronach which is like amazing Inca what do you think about retail exclusives it does sort of like give me you know that buyer's anxiety like if I don't get it now I might not get it and I think it does work at convincing me I need to buy it yeah I think I when I'm traveling I always like to spend a bit of time looking through all the whiskies yeah just to see if there's any interesting deals but the problem is that they tend to be so expensive like yeah you can get some like you know Lisa bottles cheaper yeah. but then sometimes I think the quality is not as good unless it's like something that's really fancy and expensive yeah Dalmore plans exciting expansion but without sacrificing their character. They are owned by White Mackay and they're going to double the production capacity by building a new twin still house on the site of Dalmore's now demolished Saladin Box Malting that's been out of use since the 1980s. The new building with panoramic views across the Cromarty Firth to the Black Isle will have its own mash tun, wooden washbacks and four pairs of stills just like the old distillery although with more sustainable production methods. Sounds good. I've not like tried much Dalmore because it's kind of marketed as a luxury brand. Has it? Yeah, it kind of makes me think, Dalmore makes me kind of think of sharp suits, musky male aroma and distant cigar smoke. Yeah, yeah. And my brother-in-law was saying that the, he always has Dalmore in the house. He doesn't drink that much whiskey, but he likes the bottle design. <laughs> <laughs> so he likes to have it out, like, you know, looks fancy. So another one for the list that we need to try some more of. 
Yeah. Um, the UK's oldest fine wine merchant, Berry Bros and Rudd, is to open its first spirits shop. The new dedicated spirit store, which is planned to open in spring 2024, will open on the corner of St. James's Street as a sister premise to the existing wine shop at 63 Palm Mall. Palm Mall? Oh. Whiskey Palm Mall. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the project is being led by the merchant's brand experiences and creative director, Jordi Willis, who said the move underlines Berry Bros and Rudd's commitment to and the growing customer demand for premium and luxury spirits. So, you know, when it says, because in the article, it never mentioned like St. James's Street, where? Is it in London or is it in Edinburgh or where is it? That's in London. I just know because Pall Mall's in London. But yeah, uh. first I thinking you know where like is is there a St James Street in Edinburgh or Glasgow or whatever yeah exactly it didn't mention London at all in the article weird just it assumes people know yeah if you know you know release the serpent of course, there wouldn't be whiskey without water. The word whiskey comes from the Gallic word ushka, meaning water, but on the other hand, comes from Latin aquavitae. And you may have heard of the term ushkava, which is Scottish Gallic for water of life. Everyone can appreciate the importance of the water source when it comes to making whiskey. And if you've listened to our previous episode, which I'm sure a lot you have, you lovely listeners, Whiskey Battle, Laphroaig versus Lagavulin, you will know how far these distilleries were willing to go in efforts to ensure the purity of their water supply. Most Scottish malt distilleries use soft water. The presence of salts help to keep the pH down and provide vital trace elements to help improve fermentation efficiency. But the question really is, should you or should we add water to whiskey? There are several things to consider here. So firstly, distilleries already dilute their whiskey to levels they see that works best with that specific whiskey that they are producing. So it could be taken down to 40% ABV or for like say 46 by simply adding water to the spirit. And this is why I personally never like to add water into my whiskeys because it's already been diluted by the distillery, how they think best. Yeah. So like double dilution for you. Yeah, exactly. So it tends to feel a bit too watery for me if I add water. Uh, even just a drop or two really can change the whiskey so much. And I always find it much more spicier than I like my whiskies. Yeah. And when it comes to cask strength whiskies, which can be as high as like 68% ABV, for example. Oh, uh, baby, super yeah. high. I know. Like I'm thinking, I was looking at Scott's Malt Whiskey Society whiskies and trying to find like what's the highest. And it is often recommended to add water to bring down the alcohol levels on these cask strength ones because obviously these not been diluted. This can actually open up the flavors. Although I don't really... Because I, I started my whiskey journey drinking cask strength whiskies with the Scots Malt Whiskey Society. So I'm really used to drinking them that way. Like I still don't really like adding the water. If you leave it in the glass for a few minutes, the air will open up the flavors enough. So I don't need to add the water. But obviously, you know, it is strong alcohol. So 
adding the water can always obviously help that you don't you know maybe get drunk that quickly or it doesn't like go to your head because you're adding a bit more water so you're taking down the percentage but that's just how I like it pace yourself people but you know how much more would a couple of drops of water impact the pace you know probably not too much that's the thing but I think with like really high ABV whiskies Sometimes I've seen people adding quite a lot of water as yeah. well. What do you think with the cask strength, for example? Do you do you add water? I think cask strength, you know, like as if there should be a chorus of angels because you just feel you're getting the purest scents and flavours. <laughs> like the heavens are opening, the beams of light are coming. So I'm like, don't be putting no dark cloud water in that cast strength. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've got to say I'm super biased. Like I am a bit like, ugh, like stay away, like the garlic and the vampires a little bit with water. And I'm not entirely sure why that is. Well, I think very much like yourself, when I add water now, I often find it spicier and harder to detect the subtleties of flavors for me it doesn't release the aromas as dr bill would say mentioned in a previous episode like releasing the serpent for me i've always found it harder to detect and a little bit sharper more spicy but if i think back to my early whiskey drinking days in the early 90s i didn't add water then and i just preferred like that kind of burny feeling in my throat and it just felt all a bit more rock and roll so I don't know if that's maybe part of it as well for me like that's how I began to like it and that's how I've continued not sure that's the thing I think a lot of it is probably how you're used to from the beginning and how your palates got used to it and I I always find like the texture of the whiskey as well the mouth feel like whether it's a bit oilier or feels a bit richer there's a bit more texture to it without the water yeah harder to detect for me if you add water like what is the mouth feel I'm not often not too sure that's true you know very we don't want like we've got our own experiences and our own biases but of course adding water to whiskey really comes down to personal preferences and I have met loads of people that much prefer water and whiskey and I think that's completely cool if they do what about you Inca have you come across a lot of people that that enjoy it and prefer it yeah I think I would say most people that I know would add a drop or two and I even I know a guy as well who's super into his whiskeys but he adds a lot of water and that's how he likes yeah yeah And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe you just did that. But obviously that's just how he likes it. So fine. Yeah, it doesn't work for me, but if it works for you. That's, you know, we've maybe mentioned this before, but it's part of um, the mystique of whiskey. I think one of the lovely things about people's whiskey experiences, however you enjoy it, we've said that before, is just, you know, is absolutely fine. Whether it's a tiny bit or whether it's, you know, none at all, anything goes and it's just absolute preference. But of course, even if it is your preference to add water, it is recommended you first try the whiskey neat. Um, And if you want to add water after, add just a drop or two. There's those wee droppers and pipettes you can get, like little plastic ones are super cheap and you can get really pretty glass ones as well, can't you? Just a drop or two already changes it a lot. So you want to be careful. Yeah, if those one or two drops can open it so much, then yeah, absolutely start with that. You can always keep adding more, start with those drops and then other than free pour and over dilute. Worth mentioning, isn't it, Inca, that it might change over time, who knows? 
knows? We might be old ladies just sloshing the water in the glass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but I would I think maybe other way around. If you like to add water now, maybe your palate will once you get more used to drinking whiskey, you might just realise that actually I like less water i don't know yeah soja i'll not bother can't be bothered adding anymore yeah well i I went to a whiskey tasting a whiskey festival in florence uh, with a friend and she's quite new to whiskey as well so i did say to her like you know just feel free to add water like just try it and nose it first and yeah. try it neat but you know if you're not because she's quite into her wines and she's got quite mm-hmm. a good palate for flavors and so on i think it's just because it's that's a strong alcohol if you're not used to it. Yeah. So she was adding water and she's always at first like apologizing. I'm really sorry. And like, stop apologizing. It's totally fine. Yeah. Just do your thing. And then, you know, you enjoy it more if you don't feel kind of scared of the, the strength. So she was really enjoying it anyway. And then she stopped apologizing and was just doing her thing. So Oh, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. So also second point I wanted to kind of talk about is the water quality that it's available to you in your country. It's not even country specific. It could just like, when I was living in England, even different places in England, for example, the water tasted different. Yeah. But I may have, I, I kind of realized this when we did the episode with Mark from Glenfiddich, how he was saying, if you come from Scotland or Finland, the water quality is really good. That's why some of these like cans, special cans and things for water made for whiskey kind of makes more sense if you come from a country or somewhere that the water quality is bad. We'd never thought of that, had we? No, exactly. And I, you know, in Finland, I always drink tap water. Like, although I do drink tap water here as well, but I do filter it first. Yeah. I just felt like, oh God, I've been just a bit snobbish about it maybe. (laughs) Yeah. I think I've been growing up on the Isle of Mull at one point where we lived, the water came straight off the the hill. Just, it was so pure. So I haven't given it too much thought. And even in, you know, as you say in Scotland, the the quality can be quite good even in the cities and things. So yeah, it was really good to hear his perspective and expand our view. And like all naturally sourced waters contain more or less uh, a concentration of both elements such as calcium, sodium and that kind of ingredients and other compounds such as chlorides, sulfates and other stuff like generally known as minerals. And all these obviously contribute to the different flavors in the water, harshness, aromas. These come from the geological makeup of the area from where the water arises. The rain falling in that area travels down to a normally deep-seated source, during which time the local minerals are absorbed by this water. And most naturally sourced waters have a measurable level of minerals within it, uh, which in historical times gave them the title mineral water. It was also felt at the time that the mineral content was a healthy attribute. However, the dissolved minerals in water impart a lot of taste. That's where the flavours come from. And this is where brands like Larkfire come in handy. And it has a neutral taste and smell, so it will not add aroma or flavour to the whiskey. Tap water can be treated with chlorine and fluoride and has also been found to contain other additives and to contain hormones such as oestrogen, which sounds a bit scary, doesn't it? Yeah. All these additives have an effect on both the nose and the taste of the water in the whiskey. So Larkfire sent us some samples of their water so we could try so they sent me this kind of document of just that in i think it was 2018 they compared a lot of different waters with theirs and the mineral levels calcium levels potassium so on so actually Larkfire fire has very little calcium for example evian 
which everyone probably knows, has 80 milligrams per liter of calcium and Larkfire only has 2.7. So that's quite a... Or like San Pellegrino, which comes from Italy, has 180 milligrams per liter. Whoa! So 2.7 is very little. And it's kind of the same with everything else, with sulfates, magnesium, things like that. So the total solids found in Larkfire was only 71 milligrams per liter, when in Evian, for example, is 485, or San Pellegrino is 1050. So in layman's terms, much more natural than these other waters? It's just more pure, I guess, like without those extra flavor compounds that the source where it comes from it's just very clean, I guess. Larkfire consulted with master blenders, professors, chemists and geologists and their research led them to the beautiful Hebridean island of Lewis where they get their natural wild water with a soft profile. The water in Lewis is held on the surface by three billion year old Lewisian nice rock. This non-soluble metamorphic rock is part of the reason for the water's purity and lack of mineral content. Do you know, I don't know if you've ever met anyone from the Isle of Lewis Inca, but even their accents are so soft and rolling. They're just like so gorgeous, like lapping waves. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Another water that we've been gifted for this episode, or oh, wasn't really for this episode, just in general, but no. <laughs> I know. Sorry, Birkin Tree. It's taken us ages to get around to talking about you. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. So it is Birkin Tree, which is made using birch water, or oh, it's basically just birch water. Three weeks every March, they tap two to three hundred year old birch trees in some of the Scotland's most ancient forest. The birch water is entirely natural with no additives. And they say that the signature smoothing effect dials back any harsh characteristics within a whiskey, allowing delicate taste nuances to leap forward. Birch water does not disrupt or taint whiskey in any way. Rather, it serves to complement, amplify and illuminate. So let's get testing. Dram on fire. So Inka, what whiskey are you sipping today? What whiskey did you choose to test out the lark fire in the Burke Country? Okay, I wanted to go cask strength because I thought if I got anything low percentage, it's just I'm just not gonna give it a chance, you know, because yeah. I know I'm gonna hate it. So I went with Scotch Malt Whiskey Society Dram O'Clock bottling. Oh no, not Dram O'Clock. Sorry, that's for the next one. Toast Rack. It's called Toast Rack, which is a 12-year-old single malt bottled at 58.7% ABV. Very nice. Delicious. And how about you? I decided one we've spoken about before, Gwenalaka 10, Cast Strength Batch 8, bottled at 57.2%. I thought it would be a beautiful Mm -hmm. dram to experiment with. Although it did make me slightly anxious adding anything to (laughs) perfection. I know. I was just going to say, I'm like, oh, that's brave. Brave. (laughs) Yeah. Did you try the Larkfire on its own? Yes, I did. And I was like, oh, I'm not really noticing anything, but that makes sense, doesn't it? If there's like, you know, it just felt like quite pure. Yeah, I think so. Kind of no flavor. And for comparison, I tried some of the filtered tap water from here Mm -hmm. in Florence. I found the tap water a little bit saltier and like had kind of slightly mineral aftertaste, which I didn't find at all 
on the lark fire. So it's definitely pure cleaner. That's interesting. If people haven't seen the cans, it's in those little miniature cans you get 150 ml. It's pleasing to my eye because it's black and silver and has a bird on it. I love birds. So the can works for me. I like the tin can swagger. Why don't you just like do a quick recap on the aromas and flavors of the whiskey without the water first, just so we can see how it changes. Okay, no problem. So I, it's a very warm day. I'm lucky enough to be recording this from Portugal, super warm today. And it was very similar to my previous notes, maybe slightly different. And so I got a raspberry and it made me think of raspberry ruffles. That's a raspberry and coconut cream sweetie that has a dark chocolate on the outside. Beautiful, like kind of walnut, walnut and coffee sponge cake strong treacle toffee and oh oily and delicious brazil nuts so good the palate slight spice of cloves maybe some orange oil and some delicious sticky jamaica ginger cake big thick ass slices with delicious salted butter on it oh my god oh my god (laughs) and bitter chocolate and golden sunset on the finish. And then I was getting super like poetic in my heart. And uh, there were swallows flying at the orange <laughs> sunset in the finish. I don't really know what that tastes like. But I love birds. <laughs> and I love golden sunset. Yeah, I was Portugal. just going to say, did you say it tasted like golden sunset? <laughs> yeah, it tasted like golden sunset and swallows <laughs> flying. Blissfulness. <laughs> I think the swallow came from the lark fire can, right? That bird. Maybe. Air. Although there's just gazillions of them everywhere in Portugal so I feel a little bit like Snow White and I have three swallows tattooed on my body and I now need more. We have them loads in Florence. I think it's around September time they start doing the murmurations like huge groups of them doing oh it's really cool i just love swallow so much so yeah i get totally carried away i just love this whiskey so much <laughs> oh no so let's <laughs> let's talk about the water then because i'm really curious yeah so i was a wee bit nervous and oh inca this makes me sound super bad but i actually felt putting the water in i felt like a kid a little kid that had to like share their sweets with another kid they don't like and I felt like (laughs) slightly anxious and stressed right and I was like right don't be ridiculous this is nice lark fire anyway I got similar notes on the nose however I found it more difficult to discern so much like I'd had before just and I didn't so much get that kind of raspberry coconut dark chocolate cream but I did get the treacle toffee and the kind of the the kind of cake yeah very similar though on the palate I found it spicier I did I know it's always isn't it it's like it brings the spices from the oak but woody yeah so I hadn't detected any kind of black pepper on the palate whereas I was that was coming through and whilst I was still enjoying it just because like yourself I'm not super mad on spice you know spicier so I still enjoyed it but I thought "Mm, I I'm not enjoying it as much on the palate and the finish I found much more kind of oomph to it in in the sense of spice but it wasn't like unpleasant by any matter means and it was like a ginger baking spice not like too bad still tasting some of the nice stuff but tasting some of the nice stuff and I was feeling like my heart was opening to lark fire I was like lark fire you're super cute in that can if I was gonna add any water I'm down with you but like I would never add water I get that but I think the water lovers will be loving that lark fire well that's the thing I would say it's definitely because 
there's really no flavor to it. Gives room for the whiskey to shine. And tell us about the notes for your juicy cast strength jam. Okay, so toast rack, really lovely color, by the way, like apricot or peach or like a oh, honey sunset. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, nose has cinnamon, some bakewell tart in there, ground coffee, and those baba rum baba. Uh, cakes oh yeah I don't know, do they do them in Portugal they do it in Italy yeah and they're There's... quite strong of the rum yeah like really juicy like loads of like a liquid inside that yes yeah really nice also getting like kind of that Finnish cake it's called mocha palat that has like a coffee chocolate icing and it's kind of slightly yeah. chocolatey spongy cake and then palate I was getting some licorice there's some it's kind of really nice balance of sweet and salty mm -hmm. uh, with some red berries soaked in brandy. Ooh. Some nutmeg, cinnamon, baking spices, white pepper slightly, some vanilla and juicy raisins. Like maybe again, the raisins also kind of plump and soaked. Yeah, raisins. plump. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I was thinking, like, are they soaked in something or are they just kind of kind of fresh raisins that aren't quite gone as, you know, raisiny yet? That haven't like shriveled up on themselves yet. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. they sell are they sultanas, the bigger ones. Oh yeah. They're kind of like less dark and more plump. Yeah, maybe sultanas instead of raisins, actually. You can't go wrong with a cheeky sultana. I know. It, it just makes me think of being a kid and in Finland's really common that you know there's little red packs of raisins or sultanas. Yeah. Give them to children. I yes. always eat those as a sweet. <laughs> Mom would get me to shut up by just giving me a pack of those. <laughs> so, yeah. So, okay. On the nose with the water, I was getting even more uh, baking spices. Mm -hmm. Maybe some cloves as well and stuff. And it was getting more oaky. Definitely mellowed down a lot of the sweetness, I think. I don't know. I, I couldn't detect as many notes to, uh, as I did without the water. And I literally yeah. just add a tiny, tiny bit. Yeah. On the palate... Very strong on cinnamon mm -hmm. and has kind of warming feeling, almost like when you crunch like a um, green chili that aren't mm -hmm. like super spicy, but like that you can literally just bite to it and it doesn't burn your face off, but has kind of nice little tingling, warming <laughs> feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was getting that, which I didn't get at all before. Um, closest to the spiciest thing I got before was the white pepper. Mm -hmm. um, and then so many dried fruits like almost I was thinking like this is sherry cask but it's not actually it's um wow. ex-bourbon hogshead I was like oh my god this is very sherry all of a sudden so it, it definitely changed but not necessarily for the better so that sounds like we mentioned Dr Bill earlier but you know that bringing out different flavors it sounds like that's occurred there for you definitely more elevated on on the baking spices and that kind of sultana raisiny yeah. and then maybe just bringing in more dried fruits did the finish change maybe made it a bit shorter i would say maybe oh okay i don't know i just wasn't getting as many tasting notes we're and quite it's similar in that uh, that regard then yeah ex exactly it's funny how they say that you know use water to open up those flavors Mm -hmm. I just feel like the water just closes everything closes up. Closes it down, yeah, or yeah. kind of masks certain parts of it and brings up other parts. Exactly. It's very odd. Lackfire was, I'm impressed how the flavour is like flavourless almost. Yeah. <laughs> and all that, but it uh, hasn't changed my mind on using water and whiskey. Next up, we got 
Birkentree, oh my goodness. So they say it has an elegant, smooth sweetness and a fresh, subtle, saline quality, which is mineral and finished. Did you try it on its own first? No, but I will do just now. <gasps> oh my the, God, do it. The bottles are super cute and they've got like a nice, natural, wholesome label. And it kind of looks like there's desiccated coconut oh, in it. Yeah. That, you know, if you shake it, it's got a bit of a snow globe effect. Yeah. Definitely. I was literally putting it through a tea strainer. <laughs> <laughs> right, sorry, two seconds. Talk amongst yourself. I, know, I haven't actually tried it with the whiskey yet because I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's very um, interesting. When I grew up in Finland, my friend's dad used to drill holes in the perch trees and get the sap. So mm -hmm. I'm used to drinking it when I was younger. Oh, cool. But it's kind of interesting idea to add it to whiskey. It's like, tastes like coconut water. I think it does taste like coconut water, but I also feel like, I think for me, it's tasting a bit salty. I feel as if I've put water in my bucket that I've taken as a kid to the beach. <laughs> a wee bit salty for me. Oh, that's funny. I was getting like vanilla, caramel and just, yeah, made me think of coconut water. And do you remember when we did the interview with Mark? And Mark was saying that some places, some countries, they actually do use coconut water to dilute whiskey. Oh, yeah. So this, I'm like thinking, oh, this is probably the closest to that that we can get to. So I'm just going to, I don't actually know how much you're supposed to add. Do you? I just put like a small-ish amount in, but I'm not sure if people normally put in like highball amount. Yeah. I was scared to put in highball amounts. So I just put in quite a small amount. So how did it change then? As I say, I was a wee bit scared of the bits in it, but and scared in a good way. You know, if you go to the market and you see like all the organic vegetables and they're kind of like funky and knobbly. Yeah. And you think like, that's going to be so good for me, although I'm a wee bit scared of that veg vegetable, you know, but <laughs> scary in a good way. Yeah, exactly. It's all natural and that's how it's, yeah. you know. So yeah. I was getting those vibes. And then on the nose, similar notes, not as kind of detectable. And for me, it changed to something creamier in the nose. The scents were there, but almost with whipped cream blended in. So quite different. It's funny. This nose is kind of not changed as much as with normal water. Mm -hmm. Like I guess because the flavors or aroma of the Birkentree, maybe it has that kind of sweetness. Like it smells like whipped cream. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, and we've got different whiskies, so it must be the Birkentree. Must be the Birkentree. Feel stronger on the nose? I found the mouth feel quite different. I found it like slightly slimy, kind of like aloe vera slime vibes and a little <laughs> bit spicier than the than it you know was with no water at all, but less so than Larkfire. I did get more spice on the finish. I had a bit more of a peppery finish. Yeah. I'm getting much more spice as well. It's quite, um, I feel like it doesn't dilute. The alcohol percentage feels stronger than it did when it was neat or with Larkfire. It's interesting, isn't it? The difference. The nose is a bit spicier, but also quite sweet. But I feel like there's a bit more fumes, you know, like paint or, you know, like those pens that smell really strong that people used to sniff to get high. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Did people do that in Scotland? In Finland, oh, I think they sniffed all sorts of things. Clue, to get high like things yeah. I should have read a wee bit more about this, but I'm sure, because I can't remember exactly, but I'm sure I've read there are quite healthy properties to the Birkin tree in its own right. Do you think that's the case? Yeah, but I don't know why. I always just, I always think bird sap, I associate it with 
aloe vera and I instantly start thinking like laxative <laughs> you know like I'm like oh you can't have too much of that but I don't actually know if that's true at all <laughs> that's just what makes me think but there's definitely a creaminess and a kind of viscosity to it yeah it makes me think it's something you would drink if you were in a survival situation and I would say maybe the mouthfeel on the fi- on the finis is a bit softer, like a bit creamier, like you said. Do you have a preference if you were to have to add water, whether you would add Birkin tree or Larkfire? Probably Larkfire. I'm kind of on the fence. I know that's like not that interesting a response, but I kind of, you know, whatever. I, they're kind of equal to me. They're just different. And I'd be really intrigued to hear what people who generally release the serpent and add water would think as a comparison. I'd be really intrigued to know. Okay. Whiskey sisters! Well, let's finish with a highball. Did you use the same whiskey for your highball or a different one? I actually used a different one because I just wanted to kind of mix it up a little bit. I used still a Malt Whiskey Society one, Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. This one is the Trauma Clock that I mentioned earlier. 13 years old, Space Cider, first fill ex-bourbon barrel, 62.9%. But this one is kind of, it's more rich, sweeter. There's a little bit of spiciness, but there is quite sweety, fruity, Madagascar, vanilla, oak, some leather jacket on the palate, apricot pies, ripe tropical fruits, baking spices, whipped cream, that kind of stuff. Oh, sounds very nice. And for our highballs, we are using Larkfire Sparkling and they recommended 150ml to 50ml whiskey ratio. Um, This is the same water as the still, but it's carbonated and it's in a silver can and the bird's still on it, of course. I really like it as for for a highball. Same. I was really enjoying it because I tried it first, just the, the water on its own. I was like, oh, it doesn't feel very fizzy, but I was just having it straight from the can. So probably, <laughs> you know, but then as soon as I did my, I did the 50 mils and then mm-hmm. the whole can for the, oh my God, I think it was really nice. Really nice fizziness. You can really Definitely. taste the wheat. Delicious. Because don't you think that highball quality varies hugely depending on where you're drinking them? If they put some crappy ass like, you know, soda or like different fizzy water or whatever, it can vary so much. So if I was thinking that if I was somewhere and they had carbonated lark fire, I would definitely ask ask for for that. Yeah, for sure. Definitely good tip for bars actually just rather than using the horrible soda from the gun yeah so yeah which whiskey did you use i stuck with the glenallocky all the way yeah Mm. which i wouldn't normally make a highball with because it's so juicy and delicious and i just want to see for the flavors you know how i enjoy the flavors in a highball but it's more you know i kind of maybe use a whiskey i like but maybe not a super favorite if i was making highballs but yeah i just kept it the same and it it's finished very good I, we don't normally drink whiskey with water but with highballs definitely try lark fire if you can it's totally worth it lark fire highballs for life whiskey sisters whiskey fact so this is a ghostly fact with a links to water Ooh. yeah very vaguely <laughs> <laughs> let's travel to campbelltown to the Glen scotia distillery Yes, please. We're going to travel there at some point, aren't we? (laughs) Yes, we're going to do it. On the night before Christmas Eve, 1930, a distillery owner, Duncan McCallum, died in mysterious circumstances. Dun, dun, dun. 
The story goes that he drowned himself in Cross Hill Loch, the distillery's water supply, after losing a fortune in a crook business deal. Although it is not clear if he did take his own life. And, you know, I think drowning yourself is really difficult. How can you do that? There's no way you can drown yourself. Unless you've got like rocks in your pocket, that's got to be a tough ask. Yeah, exactly. Whatever the truth of the matter, his ghost remains at the distillery to this day, meaning that many employees won't venture into certain areas after dark. Apparently, McCallum's spectre keeps an especially close eye on contractors who have reported the sensation of being watched by a ghostly presence. Perhaps he wants to ensure that no more business deals turn sour. End of another episode. Unfortunately, water won't be on our whiskey menus. <laughs> in the future we're just going good... to not bother releasing our serpents is that a fact no yeah. it's just not gonna happen but yeah. you know at least we tried we've done it we don't have to do it again but... md calls us close-minded take that take that people <laughs> yeah. okay next week get your limbo dancing poles out because we're going low oh i can't even <laughs> speak that low <laughs> Hello, can you go? Because <laughs> it's all about Lowland whiskey, whiskey lovers. So if you're not already following us on Instagram, why not? I mean, I'm quite annoyed if you've got Instagram and don't follow us. Whiskey Sisters Podcast. If you don't have Instagram, get it. Come on, say hi. We're always right back. We don't post and ghost. Twitter at Whiskey Sisters and Facebook at Whiskey Sisters Podcast. Join the fun, whiskey lovers. Oh my God, I love we don't post and ghost. I feel like that should be our tagline. <laughs> we should write that on our bio on Instagram. We don't post yeah, and ghost. Yeah, we don't post and ghost. We chat shit with everyone, don't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, danger, danger. Okay, well, that's us for another week. May your glass be full. And your tram on fire. Love, Yenka. Ciao.